Popcorn Straight Out of Five Scotland. You're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts, Stuart Sullen and the Magic Mike Christie. Yo. Welcome to episode 229 of the Films and Swearing movie podcast. It is IMDb season. Today we are covering the good the bad, and the ugly from 1966. But I've got some shit to talk about first. Yeah. I text you like a whole bunch of things, like I was on a caffeine high this afternoon. Yeah. I want to talk about this, and this, and this, and this, and a film quiz, and a three-hour film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Mike's like, I'm only off for so long. I can't be here for two fucking days to record with you. <laughs> uh, how you doing, man? Bye. Get away, fucking... Someone next week, so time to get pumped. Eh? <laughs> fucking can't wait. So yeah, the big news sort of this afternoon was sort of the reveal that um, the Marvel are—I was going to say going back to the well, but that's probably not the right expression. They are choosing to re-release Endgame, which it is technically still in cinemas. Because, like some obsessed, compulsed person, I tend to visit Box Office Mojo daily and have a look at how much Endgame makes every day. Yeah. Because I ne- just last week I noticed they actually go that in-depth. You see how much hundreds of thousands it makes. Because that's the stage it's at now. It's making hundreds of thousands. It's not making a million yeah. every day. And I'm just like obsessed with, like, I wonder if this is going to make it. If this is going to become the top grossing film of all time, worldwide. Because we were, um, we were pretty, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Certain? Aye, we were pretty certain that it was, especially after the, after the first week. Yeah, like, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about Infinity War, like, pretty much on the day of release of Endgame, or the night of, yeah. night before, everyone was going away at midnight, and we were sitting talking about Infinity War and got all fucking hyped. And didn't go to the midnight, but uh, we thought, man, this could make like fucking three billion dollars and become the highest grossing thing of all time. And funnily enough, it done really well, it was like one point three billion in its opening weekend. Yeah. And then it just kind of slowed down, had like a big drop off. Yeah. And it, people like I, I follow uh, the box office Reddit on subreddit on Reddit. And a lot of them were all just laughing because it's, they've done the maths. They could calculate it to a T and go, it's not going to be it. Like, Avatar, if you work out this maths and just showed you, like, the numbers, the maths, Disney work it. Yeah. It's going to look like it. Or they would have to leave it in cinemas all year yeah. to the fucking last time scrape I, enough I cash. It, um, it didn't make enough domestically. Like, I, I think they were saying that. Um, the Force Awakens made more domestically than yep. what Endgame did. Ah, that's the two records it sat behind. So it's not the number one domestic film for America. Um, Force Awakens is still ahead, and overall Avatar is still ahead with 2.88, and I think the now they're on 2 point... No, it's 2.8, and the now they're at 2.4. Uh, 2.45 or something so they're literally like 40 45 million away from but now they're just at the stage where they're maybe pulling in three hundred thousand dollars a day 
Still no bad. Yeah, but trying to make 40 million over the course of that and that number's declining. Sure, obviously, weekends will peak. You get your Friday, yeah. Saturday, Sunday boost and then it drops back down. And to be honest, I thought it was going to be... They had like a, maybe a long-term plan. Because remember, Captain Marvel shot back into the box office upon release of Endgame. Like, that was February and this was April, so it was like... Or was it March? So there wasn't a big enough gap for it to actually fall out of cinemas. And everyone just started to kind of revisit that. All the people that were needing to catch up went and saw Captain Marvel and then saw Endgame. So that jumped back into like the top five in the box office. So now you've got uh, Spider-Man Far From Home uh, being released on the 2nd of July. Yeah. That's a UK release, 2nd of July, which is a fucking Tuesday. Yeah. So like that's less than a fortnight away. So Are are we getting it before them? Maybe we always end up like they're probably getting on like the Friday or the Thursday, but we're getting. I think if we're getting a second, they would like if we're getting a second, like maybe they would get it on like July the fourth. Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's a thing. But so I imagined it was going to get like a little uh, incline, like a little increase uh, with Far From Home coming out because of course it's like post End Game. You've got. Spider-Man, grieving the loss of Iron Man. Yeah, I mean we miss um, we seen the, uh, the original, the first trailer to Far From Home, like yes. months ago and that was just like the watered down trailer, because yep. obviously it tells a whole different story when they released the new one. Exactly, even had Tom Holland at the front of it going, please don't <clears throat> watch it unless you've seen Endgame. Yeah. And so I thought, right, well, they've tied these in pretty close. Maybe people are ah, fuck it, let's go see Endgame one more time, just so we're really fresh with going into Far From Home. So I thought I was going to get that incline from there, but multiple sources that I saw on Reddit, I saw on Empire, Screen Rant, ComicBook.com, are all stating that Avengers Endgame, re-released, coming with extra surprises. And they've got the quote for Kevin Feige saying, if you want to stay and watch the movie... After the credits, there's going to be a deleted scene, a little tribute, a few su- and a few surprises. And then he finishes it by saying, which will be next weekend. So it's like a week before Far From Home comes out. Mm. It's being put out with added extras. I mean, that's a... That's an interesting... Tactic? Yeah, because you're going to have to obviously wait till the end of the film. Fire through another three hours. Yeah. But... Saying that, it's if they did do it worldwide, because we're kind of under the impression that it's gonna be America only, yeah, or maybe big big cinema chains like London, Glasgow, just because small cinemas aren't gonna pull Endgame back. You've got Toy Story Four coming out and all these things like yeah. their attention is gonna be focused elsewhere. But if like that, that's probably a quick way to make forty five million. Yeah, so. Like, I mean, did we get the update for? Remember how cinemas worldwide were doing the double screenings on they were doing Infinity War and Endgame because we were saying the end Infinity War needed twenty million to surpass. Um, um, what was it? Yeah, to surpass. Was it the Force was Awakens? It, it could have been. Aye, aye, because that that was it. It was Force Awakens, Titanic, Avatar. Infinity War was number four. 
Yeah. But for some reason, I don't think their box office was actually recorded for these midnight screenings. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if that because they they closed the numbers. And I guess it would have to be an, another re-release. You know how like Titanic got re-released on like the 100th anniversary, and yeah. it took box office for that again, yeah. like a national, worldwide re-release. Whereas a one-off additional screening, midnight screening. Yeah, and I'm, I mean they've done that with Avatar as well. They re-released it a year later with an extended mm-hmm. edition, which was I think it was an additional like 20 minutes. Yeah. So I did see some online like. Like memes and fuck reacting, going, oh, it's a fucking shitty cash grab for Disney, shitty cash grab for Marvel, and you said it right there. Fucking Avatar done the same thing. They just re-released it with okay, twenty minutes more footage, but that's how they're fucking sitting at the top. They got that additional fucking money yeah. by re-releasing it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that because they're releasing all this additional content, that that'll be included in like the home release. I should fucking hope so. Whether it's either cutting at the end or it's just a separate feature. I'd imagine it should be your home release now. Like the cinema, the, the copy you're going to get on Blu-ray on DVD is going to be what they're putting in cinemas now. Yeah. Just with these added extras put on at the end of it. Yeah. Which, I, I think I pre-ordered the steelbook for it because supposedly the steelbook art's going to be the main cover bit on the back. It's going to be a souped-up fucking. Uh, Thanos. Yeah, fuck. Which looks pretty decent. And then they've got that Ultimate Edition where it's like 70 bucks. Mm-hmm. Where it's like fucking got like like cards and everything, but I'm like, it's a bit much for a film. Like, I know, that's it. I'm, I'm really reluctant when it comes to like pre ordering and buying stuff. It needs to be some like, Endgame is huge and I will probably get it at some point, but I don't want to drop some coin on a steel book. Yeah. It's tempting, but Ong's is like 4K, and it's like, ah, that's not, I'm not yeah. there yet, I don't need that. I mean, that's the reason I picked up that uh, 4K Halloween, because the price was that cheap. Yeah. And I'm hoping that the price gets hyped up, so I can just sell it on. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes from Avengers. Uh, today is also the, the kickoff for the Edinburgh International Film Festival. Actually, I think right now they're in the middle of the, the gala, like the opening film. They're at the Edinburgh Festival Theatre. I think it was a film called uh, Boys in the Wood. Oh. So there was that, the whole red carpet, everyone, the cast are all there. So that's the festival uh, now kick off, kicked off. One of the big guests I noticed that's coming this year. Because uh, it must announce it in two stages. Like There's the stage when all the brochures go out, so you get a list of names. And then additional names. Because remember last year we missed out on Joe Dante. Aye. That was never mentioned, but yeah. they post another blog posts with additional guests and the big name in it that I saw is uh, Richard Dreyfus. Ah. He's gone. He's there promoting a film uh, about he's in a retirement home with his wife and I think he's he's always wanted to be an astronaut. Something mm. like that. So he's uh, coming across to promote that. Um, there's a few other names but I thought, fucking Richard Dreyfus, Boys are get age now eh? Oh, I must be in his what? Late 60s, early 70s, maybe. Ah, oh, he has to be 70s now. I mean, I've still never fully watched Close Encounters. Mm. There's just something really like, bland about it. I don't know what it is. I've never watched it fully myself either. I will, eventually, one day. Yeah. But with the festival this year, there's nothing huge that jumped out. Sure, I've done a huge thing on Facebook sharing everything that I like the look of. 
But I think this year I'm going to wait to see the the reveal for the the best of the fest, like the top audience picks, and then do like a marathon on the last day. Yeah. And usually the, it, films are all like five pounds each at that point, so I'm going to see what the best of the fest is, and then decide if it's worth firing through for because it's all taking place in one cinema so it might just be worth having like a marathon one day and seeing a bunch of films getting a sore arse so yeah uh, speaking of like seasons and things like that our summer season the summer decade of film mm. where we dedicate our next 10 episodes well episode uh, 231 will be the start of our summer season and if you've listened to the show previously, obviously we've done two decades already. We've Two years ago we talked about the 80s, last year we talked about the 90s, and this year we're leaving it up to Twitter. Yeah. So, now Mike, I'm going to launch the poll now, I've got it all pre-written. Right. Um, so do you just need to tell me which decade you want to focus on? I mean, I'd probably focus on, like, when you were, when you text me they saying that like you would like to go back to the eighties, but there is so much. Yes. Like the eighties was such a hard one for us to like pick films wise, but I think we actually done it as a poll. Yes, every week it was a poll with four films, and some of the issues with that was the lack of availability of some of the films. We wanted that back, though. I think no, we, I think we thankfully a lot of popular choices were chosen, so it made it a lot easier for us. It but was, it was last year that was hard. 90s. Yeah. Um, I think it was hard for me because I picked... Did I not pick Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? And I could not, could not source, source it, it yep. at all. And I think that was it. Um, I mean, 70s is good. I've no... I don't think I've tried to think... Yeah, that's it. That's I think I've filmed for every year. Ah, and as a decade, I've never really... Well, we've all probably watched a whole rake of films from the seventies, but you would just never really think about it, because yeah. um, that's like you had all your your surge of Bruce Lee films for the seventies. He was like nineteen seventy to nineteen seventy three. Yeah. He had a film pretty much every year till he passed. Mm. So got all your, your Clint Eastwoods. That's it. Like there's actually there's a couple I wouldn't mind looking at, and that's like the French Connection with Gene mm-hmm. Hackman. Oh yeah. But I mean. Well, first, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let's see. Tell me a decade. Yeah, stick the 80s in for an hour. Right. Because it's obviously... You're going for the 1980s. 80s was going to be my choice as well. <laughs> but I'll pick the 70s. Because I feel that there could be some hidden gems in there that we just haven't seen yet. So, yeah. put the poll up for five days. So that should take us. Uh, this is retarded. Let's see. Um, I want it Monday. F- Aye, that's it. I want to fin- finish on Monday night, so we know what we're talking about. If we record on Wednesday, yeah. The the like depending on how your schedule goes, nine times out of ten, it kind of falls on a Wednesday, so we know what decade, and we could kind of have a an idea about planning at that stage. Yeah, we need to decide whether we're going to pre-pick. Yes. Well, last year we done it where. We've done five single reviews mm-hmm. and five joint reviews. Yeah. Do you want to do the same thing this year? Or... I don't quite know, because I mean, that way you begin to cover more. Yeah. That was the, that was the annoying thing about 
um, the eighties was it like? I think you cherry picked uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, that was the only option on the poll for nineteen eighty seven. Eighty two so. was a, I think. Did we have poll for Blade Runner? We did. Ah, it, it it won the poll. It was, and that's it. There was a lot of close calls. So, yeah. and last year when we done it, we chose films, but we also based them off of availability as well. Yeah, how easily accessible it was. I think for each year we done like we picked two films for each year, and it was a film we had seen and a film we hadn't seen. Yeah, and that's I feel we could probably merge those ideas for this year, yeah. uh, where we could give the option to Twitter. Uh, maybe make it just a 24 hour poll but yeah. again have options where it's films we either have easy access to where if it's, it's streaming online or if you own a, a copy of it yeah. and do it that way so let's see and I mean that's the thing like there's so much stuff yeah right that is that tweet now live so we'll have a little look at that towards the end of the episode to see what direction the needle's swinging. Aye, a trailer I saw last week kind of piqued my interest and it seems to be getting some buzz on Twitter is this uh, Ari Astaire's uh, Midsummer. Aye, no, I've only seen like the wee like, 20 second advert you get like if you're watching something on YouTube. Yeah. I've never seen like any full length trailer mm-hmm. and I didn't think I want to yeah go in blind yeah because I went in a hereditary blind mm-hmm. and it's still fucking like just uh, really unsettling yeah I, I still don't want to watch it uh, I showed it's... Margaret the trailer for Midsummer and said oh that looks good and I said ah it's the person who done hereditary and I mentioned I don't want to watch that film and she's like but now we have to watch this film. I'm like, nope, nope. It's just a, it's a good feel. Like, obviously, yeah, it's so fucking unsettling, some of the shit. Yeah. It goes on in it. Like, it totally caught me off guard. And, I, and there is still some bits that really fucking... Want you? Yeah. Um, this new one, it stars the lassie from Fighting With My Family, Florence Pugh. Alright. Yeah. Um... And it's, it's fine, because she's still kind of at that stage where it's an unknown face. So it's, it's usually good when you have cast and you just don't recognise the cast. Um, I've copied the IMDb plot, if you want. I don't think it gives away too much. It's to do with like, the going this like, weekend away. Aye. Couples, a couple travels to Sweden to visit a rural hometown fabled midsummer festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly dissolves into increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. And that's it. It's, it's all like sunshine lollipops at the start and then just cuts to things getting weird, people screaming, shouting, flashes of blood. It's, it's, it was giving me shades of like, get out, where it just kind of looks like, oh, they're just going for a nice weekend away and oh my god, this is getting weird. Oh my god, this is, whoa, what the fuck's going on? And the thing is like, what, um, what Hereditary done was it just gave you that sense of like oh what's the word I'm looking for like unsettling and stuff like there was like stuff you would look at or like there was a, there was a sound playing in the film aye it would always kind of make you kind of aware 
Aye. It was almost like a sounding like like, like a background sound and it yeah. got increasingly loud. It would just make it unsettling. Mm. Aye. So I that does look interesting, but I'm just a bit like Ugh. I'm a big yeah. fucking fairy. Well, next week I'll bring along hereditary and no. you'll need to watch it. No, it's cool. It's fine. <laughs> no need. I've still got fucking revenge in a quiet place sitting there. I mean if I watch Mother then you can watch fucking Hereditary. Aye. <laughs> but aye, I, I, I'm interested. I've I've told Michelle about it, so I don't know if I'm wondering if maybe Kino will get it or not. Hopefully, I'd, maybe the three screen cinema will. Yeah, because I'm still pissed off that none of them are getting like fucking bright burn or anything. Aye, same with John Wick. Yeah, and like, I really didn't want to go all the way to Dunfermline to spend 12, 13 quid on a ticket. Yeah. I know. Hey, well, that's it. I noticed the, the Sun are doing like free Odeon tickets now if you're collecting like 10 vouchers out of the paper. And I was like, fucking yes, I'll do that. You know how much a price a ticket that costs? Mm. I'm just thinking, just in case. It probably won't happen, but just in case our local cinemas choose not to show Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, that's a good shout, actually. So I thought, they say I could use these uh, free tickets up until December. And I thought, well, Two free tickets, that that could be fucking once upon a time in Hollywood paid for yeah. if needed, but I've got a good feeling... Because they never showed... Um, the three screen should have it. They never showed Hateful Eight, did they? Never I ever couldn't tell you, it's so far back. Leaving never did. Django? No. They had to have. Were they open then? That's the thing. Well, it was the Regent then, because yeah, Django was the same year that um, Dark Knight Rises coming. Was it? Was okay, yeah, they else. never touched it. Definitely not. It would be all family friendly stuff at that stage. Yeah. Um. Aye. Since we've talked for a wee while now, uh, let's do one round for the film quiz. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting about it. Rather than a, a round of three. So I, I've I stacked some cards out just so you can uh, yeah. choose your category. I won, rather. I won last week. Eh? Yeah. Classic. Good dark horse. <laughs> Trying to put me down early. Uh, who plays Secret Service agent Frank Corrigan in In the Lane of Fire? Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Oh. Still a film I've never probably watched. I it's think good. It's, it's on good. Netflix. It's on Netflix. I watched it at the end of last year. It's actually pretty good. I'm going to try and stump you an animated one. Uh, in which film, in which animation does Flint Lockwood accidentally invent a machine that makes food fall from the sky? Is that cloudy with a chance of meatballs? That's it. Ever seen it? Bill Hader, eh? I've Bill seen, Hader, it. I've seen the first one when it came out, but I don't remember much about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio film Blood Diamond is set in which country? Africa. Sierra Leone. Oh. Close. Yeah. kind of like I've, that's one I haven't seen I've still not seen it either and okay. see, like Sierra Leone's like right next door yeah like to Africa I think alright okay right if you get this one right you retain yep was that action yeah okay I'll give you an action then <laughs> <laughs> I'm just handing it to you just handing it to you in the movie Total Recall which planet does Arnold Schwarzenegger character repeatedly dream about? 
That's uh, Mars, baby. That is. Get your ass to Mars. Have you watched the remake yet on Netflix with Colin Farrell? No, I've not seen that since it was in cinemas. Oh, you seen it? I, I it was when I was projecting at the ah, region right. and they showed it. I've never dared watch it yet because I don't think it'll be any good. It's uh, just it was all black and silver, flashy, futuristic, bland looking. It was. Yeah. It didn't just didn't look like I had any character to yeah. it. Yeah. So, okay, that's it. Let's. We're all loose and limber now. Let's talk about the film. Yeah. Now, the good, the bad, and the ugly clocks in at number nine on the chart of the top 250. Um, I like how we were like 100, 100, 100, nine. <laughs> yeah. The way they were revealed, we jumped right up to the top now. And that's it next week. Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. The covetant number one spot. So, now... The good, the bad, and the ugly is from director Sergio Leone. The Leone or Leone? I think it's. I, I don't actually know. I've never. I've never watched any trailers. Sometimes you get like the voiceovers. It's like mm-hmm. from the director. Like I always pronounce it Leone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's the writing director for this one. His IMDb top four consists of Once Upon a Time in America, A Fistful of Dynamite. Once Upon a Time in the West, and of course, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Mm. Out of those four, seen any others than the one we're talking about tonight? Um, I've seen Once Upon a Time in America. Mm-hmm. I was at that stage when I was in college, <clears throat> and I was getting into like, the old like Bob De Niro films and stuff, yeah. so I watched all the Godfathers, like Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. Deer Hunter. Yeah. And it took me two seconds to watch yeah, Once Upon a Time in America because it's on for like damn near four hours. Aye, I remember renting it and they sent it to me on two discs. Yeah. So I remember, it was good. Mm-hmm. It's just a bit long. I don't think I could chance <laughs> winding it in one one Yeah, second. aye, that's it. The film stars... Uh, I always want to say Eli Wallace, but it's Eli Walsh. Is it Wallach? Aye. Is it? Double L-A-C-H. Yeah. I think it's Wallach. Alright. Eli Wallach as Tuco, Clint Eastwood as Blondie, Lee Van Cleef as Angel Eyes. Uh, he's got another name on there where it's Santenza. Aye. But, uh, Everybody calls him Angel Eyes in the film. So exactly. So Angel Eyes. Uh, Aldo Gurafree as an alcoholic union captain. Uh, Luigi Pistilli as uh, a father, Pablo Ramirez, and a uh, Rara Ramaz Razimov as Maria. Yeah, yeah, she was the one that thing with slaps about. Oh yeah. When he's trying to find, oh, what's his name? Uh, Bill Carson. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's her. Aye. So, Mike, what is the plot too? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, a bounty hunter's uneasy alliance with a criminal leaves them on a mission to find buried gold in a remote cemetery. Mm-hmm. Still think back to that question last week, and I didn't know the answer. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck What was, what was fuck. the question as well? I, would, I get asked, "Where was the money buried?" Oh yeah. Or aye. what yeah, was, was buried? Aye, it was. No, I. The, the answer was it was in a cemetery, yeah. but I couldn't figure out where the fuck. I forgot about that question as well. I think I said like a mine shaft. Yeah. Made no sense. Close. So, Mike, was this the first time you watched The Good, The Bad? Um, it was like all the way through. Like, mm-hmm. I remember. I've always seen like bits at the start and like bits at like towards the end. I've never actually fully sat and watched it. Yeah. And I mean, my dad had it on like DVD when it came out, so I never really watched it. Mm-hmm. So this is a bit weird that I'm finally watching it now. Yeah. Oh, well, that's it. It's the same for myself. First time watch. Um, I always kind of assumed, like my earliest memory of the film, I always assumed this was the film they were referencing in Back to the Future Two. Remember, you had. Was it Biff? And it was he was like the Donald Trump version of Biff where he's sitting watching a Western in a hot tub uh, and the guy's got the metal plate under his poncho. Ah, uh, yeah, that's from... Would it be a... I don't even know, actually, no. I think if it's maybe another... It's, it's probably like fistful of, of dollars yeah. or... Like the first one, because this is it. This is the third in a trilogy of films where yeah. like following The Man With No Name, although... The man with no name is cried Blondie in this film. Yeah. But I mean, did they not do that in Back to the Future 3 as well? Then, Where aye. They, I mean, Biff goes to punch him, I think, and he's got the metal bulletproof thing underneath his aye. like, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. And I, I should have looked up the movie Connections just on IMDb to find out what film they were watching, or if it was just something that they made for Back to the Future. But I just assumed it was like the good, the bad, and the ugly they were watched. And of course, it is like the most famous western of all time. I could probably easily say because it's got that iconic theme tune. Like the, it, I feel like it created the Mexican standoff. Uh, it, it obviously fucking skyrocketed Clint Eastwood. Yeah, because this was '66. So yeah, it would be nice. Like everything after that, because. I think this was before his uh, Orangutan Ape movies. Yeah, this was like before he'd done like Dirty Harry and exactly. stuff. Exactly, uh, he was a good age. Well, he's always been a good age. The boy's always been old. He, he was he's 89 this year. Yeah, aye. So, Jesus. And like, when you see him in the trailers for that, uh, the Mule is looking old. Mm-hmm, aye. Uh, it's like an apple that's been left out in the sun for fucking 60 years. <laughs> it's not as bad as it, uh, fuck it, I can't off top of it, but everybody's sharing the photos of fucking Mahoney and oh yeah, uh, thing with uh, Police Academy. How uh, fucking horrible does Mahoney look? It's just could you just imagine him for the fucking eighties? Yeah, and then you see him there, it's like oh dear god. I mean Jones looks, you know Jones, mm-hmm. but Mahoney just looks like, damn. Yeah, him in the cocoon. It looks like you fucking should be running a wee toy shop in Home Alone two or something. It just looks like a wee eccentric inventor, where he's got that friendly face, but he's—it looks like he's under a whole queen of prosthetics. <laughs> like, I could see him; he's in there, but Jesus, he's old. Yeah, man, that's it. Your childhood's—it's—it's like, it's getting old now. I know. Films for our youth. Hey, uh, so Mike, I have to ask you: What did you think of the film? Um, bear in mind that it's got a runtime of three hours now. Yep. I went and done some looking up because when you go on IMDb, this tells you the film's only on for two hours and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. This is like an additional 15 minutes longer. 
oh. bit when you go on when you click on that show film on the page they've got like alternative versions have they and it was like heavily cut and changed in like every country and shit oh like some films but like some countries were only getting it for like two hours and stuff mm-hmm. um, and like I kind of I like, like lost track looking at like everything that was cut and stuff Aye. they finally started to like restore it um, for like the DVD releases later on and all that mm-hmm. and I think they started to like dub badly it's like some of the like the extra Spanish scenes, moments yeah like extra scenes and stuff yeah but, um, but I mean like saying that for it being known for like three hours it was pretty good mm-hmm. I kept my kept my interest anyway I think for a wee bit but I'll get obviously when we get further on I'll get to like a couple of issues I have with it yeah but other than that I thought and I mean I can see why it's like heavily regarded as like one of the or or like the best like western Mm-hmm. That's it, because um, I'm not well versed in westerns, but I've I've seen a fair few, and this is like a fucking stutter of a film. Like I was expecting to enjoy it, but there's times where I was like, I was surprised at how much I was fucking enjoying this film. Like the antics of fucking Tuco. Yeah, just, like he just like I just laughed at a lot of his shit. Aye. And I mean, I, I could say it, I knew he stole the film for me. Yeah, I've got was, him doing He's just such a great fucking character. Just all the wee hijinks he gets into and... It's just, it's when you first see him, because obviously, like, when you get introduced to Tuco right at the very start, yes. you then you see him until he's, like, bursting out the window and he's, like, carrying the fucking, like, the gun and the, the guy's arm. Yeah. Aye, that's it, it was... And I love how like that was a reoccurring theme of like, like the one armed man following him around um throughout the film. But it was it just the freeze frame and then like the, the text comes up the ugly and it is like the reaction on his face as he's smashing through the window looking gawk it. And it's it's just what going back to why I really like the film is like it's just the fucking story. Like, just the simple idea of having a vital piece of information split between two people and then thinking, well, we're we're stuck to each other now. We, we can't have one without the other. Yeah. And the whole... And then, like, your, your wild card of, well, the bad being this stone-cold fucking hitman played by Lee Van Cleef. It's just one of these things where by the end of it, I was like, man, this is a fucking brilliant film. Like, the tension, the music, the camera work, like, yeah. the amount of fucking zoom takes that he does every time a fucking cannon went off. It's like, yeah. motion sickness at that point. But it was, I was fucking blown away by this film. I could yeah. see why it's held so highly. The fact that it ranked a single digits in the top 250 of IMDb, it's probably in yeah. all of the fucking greatest films of all time I imagine it's well up there in yeah. most and I mean you've seen like, have you seen A Fistful of Dollars yes because I've still not seen it yet and I've I've been meaning to watch it after you've done the uh, um, Sanjuro uh, no it was a uh, Yojimbo Yojimbo aye Sanjuro was a sequel if you've done the Yojimbo um, yes and that's what that's what spurred me on to watch yeah. A Fistful of Dollars after it and I've kind of been Interested to watch like that and for a few dollars more. Yes. Like even um, a fistful of dynamite. Yes, exactly. And a lot of these westerns are all still actually really accessible on 
uh, Netflix. Like all those Clint Eastwood westerns are still on there because I think another yeah. one, Hang 'em High, uh, was being recommended to me after I finished the film last night. All right, so uh, the best way I think we could do this is really just what we normally do: break it down by character. Yeah. So, uh, who do you want to talk about first? Um, I mean, we'll start off with Tuco because he was the first one that was introduced. Yeah. And that was it because it, the opening shots was it was like just a f- wide shots of a few characters kind of walking along with that famous theme playing behind them. Oh, that like they were go- going to rob a bar. Yeah. And then obviously his fucking Tuco come flying through the window. Mm. Now I did love his um, obviously he's like a wee loud mouth character who's who is. Uh, Sure, the crown the ugly, but he's not quite right. Yeah, he's a wee bit eccentric, and um, I liked his the the whole gimmick he has with Blondie. Yeah, whereas it's, it's, it's almost like they played a bunch of scam artists kind of exactly right. using him as a bounty. And fucking Blondie comes in, collects the money, sends fucking uh, Tuco to hang, and then of course the fucking reveal is they they manage to shoot the rope. That he's going to hang from, they fuck off. And they spot the money. Meet a mile down the road and fucking 50 50. Or, for the looks of it, Tuco's getting screwed over more and more. <laughs> yeah, because, what is that fucking. Like. What's it the fucking they were saying? There was, like, there was so many, like, different, like, sayings between them and all, like, 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 there's two types of people in this world, like, one that, like, hangs by the rope and one that cuts it. Yes, exactly. Aye, and that is, is a reoccurring theme because he mentions it at the end again, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but I do like it when the tables are turned and yeah. Tuco um, gets the better of Blondie. Also, remember at one point, and that was the big thing about this film, it is set during like the American Civil War. Yeah. Which was something I would never have thought, like, upon looking at it um, but it has such an interesting element to it like when there's a time where Tuho catches Blondie off guard and he's going to play the same trick he wants him to hang and you're wondering well how the fuck is he going to get out of this situation fucking cannonball hits the building blows up the fucking floor and of course Tuko falls down a level and that's enough time for fucking Blondie to disappear yeah so that's really fucking interesting the fact that there's this chaotic element ongoing in the background and it's if you think the story's maybe slowing down at one point they get fucking thrown in caught on either side of this fucking war mm. and to be honest at first I thought man this is gonna make it a little bit more difficult to kind of follow but it wasn't too overly complicated like when you kind of realise who is the north and who is the south yeah and it gets played for laughs at one point which was honestly was such a fucking brilliant moment when Tuco sees all the guys in grey jackets. <laughs> but what, what he assumes is grey jackets. Yeah, and they're all, he's all like fucking chanting. He's like, oh, to the Confederacy! It was, he was like, down with General Lee. Aye, aye, aye. And he was like, talking Dick, like saying all these things about Dixie. He's all like, oh, fucking cheering. Yes, my brother's in the grey coats. And he sees them, and it's just a bunch of guys in blue coats, but they're covered in fucking stew and dust. <laughs> And they just start dusting off their jacket. I literally was fucking laughing out loud. Because 
you could just see Tuco like swallowing his tongue, going, "Oh, fuck!" Yeah. And it's not like they could play it off. He's sitting singing the fucking tune, where it's, "Oh, brothers, yes, Confederates, yes, fuck those Union bastards." It's like, "Oh, you're the Union." <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing, prisoners of war. And like, ah, oh, fuck. I liked um, I liked Tuco in this one. He, um, oh, that's when he gets caught by. Uh, clearly at the start mm-hmm. and he's like holding him in and he's just fucking like calling him like the son of a bastard and all that and Aye. he's like your mother and he's like, he's like we'll never talk about your mother he's like you don't want to know the things I can say about her that like, we won't speak of it Aye, he's a he's a total premium shite bag yeah um, but I mean like he's, he's kind of smart a wee bit yes he does he, I think he, he plays on the fact that he acts dumb like he could clearly take advantage, like the whole scene where he's being dropped off by fucking Blondie, and he's on his own, and he goes back to his own stomping grounds, and just talks about, oh man, I can all about this, this big deal that's coming up, and I've got all this thousands of dollars, four thousand, if I could only split it with my old friends, they would get a thousand dollars each. Oh, when he's in the cave. Aye, uh, and he coaxes them out. And he's sitting there with his fucking chicken, yeah. plucking a chicken. At this camp where there's no cunt there, but he manages to talk them out. And they all just show up, going, Oh, money! Money, Tuco! Of course yeah. we're here! I think the bit that I laughed at Tuco the most was when he, like, finds the bath. Oh, he's in his fucking element. The <laughs> way he was pouring all those suds in. Yeah, and this, the, the fucking, obviously, it catches up with him at the start, the guy with the one arm. Yes. And I, and he just, also the guy goes to draw his gun, and I mean, like, Tuco's already got the gun pointed. You, I, you, could, you could see it happening. I reckon if it's Maybe it's probably been spoofed. Like this film, I, I imagine the amount of I looked at. I did look the amount of times this film's been referenced. Like because obviously it's an iconic film. It's gonna get used. Like the amount of times where you've heard that theme or fuck Hammett whistle it in movies. Yeah. This film was roughly like, roughly referenced close to five hundred times on IMDb that they know of between films and television shows, but. You gotta think like when I was watching, I knew what was gonna happen. You can, yeah. Tuchel's no that daft. What does he say? He's like, oh, he's like, if you're gonna shoot, just shoot. I don't and, talk, just shoot. Yeah, and pretty like, much. It instantly reminded me of the scene in Die Hard where he's in the office and the guy is on top of the table shooting down at him. Yeah, thanks for I, the advice. Ah, and he's like, next time you're like gonna kill someone, don't hesitate. Yeah, and then he just unloads on them. Aye, that, totally. That, that surely has to be a clear reference. Aye, definitely. Um, but it was just one of those ones where I did like the idea of that one-armed man following because you had that moment. Then you had the moment where he was being put on the train by the Union where you had like the big hulking dude that was blind in one eye handcuffed to Tuco and they were going through the train station and they come across the one-armed man again. And he's giving him some shit. And he's like, look at you. I've got $3,000 for my head. How much did you get for your arm? Nothing. And I just, just properly winding his ticket. And he's like, no wonder he shows up. Like, oh, I'm going to fucking kill you now. And like, me and my one arm, I'm going to fucking kill you. And of course, he just sat in the fucking tub. <laughs> it was like one shot where it's an empty tub and he's pouring all the suds in. Next thing, a full on fucking bubble bath. I said, look at this little cunt sitting there in the bath with the bubbles enjoying himself. But he was ready. Fucking fact, pistol. Actually, that's a lie. My favourite, favourite Tuco scene 
is where he goes to the gun shop. <clears throat> yes, that's yeah. a brilliant bit. And he's just like, he's just also like, always talking about his revolvers and the old dopey fucking like, shopkeepers. Oh, we've got revolvers, we've got fucking Smith and Wessons, we've got fucking. Names them all. Yeah, like Colts and all that. And he's like, he picks up one of them and he's like, this. He, and, ah, he, he's not too happy. And, and especially when he takes him out to the firing range. Mm hmm. And he fucking, I think he uses like all his black, I think he doesn't quite hit them all. And he like, like jumps in a bit of wood that's a bit loose. Aye, to knock over the last target. <clears throat> yeah, and he's like fucking totally giddy about it. Aye, is that fucking Dojo? But it is, I like how he put all the guns out and he's looking at him going, eh, nah. And he's like, fuck it, I'll just mix and match. Just takes these bits off, takes that bit. I'll take the barrel for here, I'll put it onto the stock. And he's like, he makes his own fucking gun. <laughs> and it just kind of shows you, this boy is clever. Yeah. He's not just pissing about with any old rusty pistol. He's choosing the best. And supposedly, when I was looking at those movie references today, John Wick has a very similar scene in John Wick 3. Ah. At the point where he's got all these guns, he disem- pulls apart all these pistols to make one specific yeah. type of gun, which... Well, a, a revolver. <clears throat> and it's just been obviously because he goes to rob the shop anyway. And it's... He, he fucking he takes everything and he like he tastes the fucking bottle of whiskey, Aye. but then leaves it and they're like they, the shopkeepers are right so, with that. so relieved. Yeah, and, uh, and it's the whole thing like how much fifty, how much? And I was like a uh, hundred, how much? Two hundred, and you just realize oh he's not paying for the gun he's fucking robbing the boy as well. Yeah. Like that guy was so close to closing up shop for the day and that yeah. fucking boot come flying in the door. And he fucking but he grabs the open sign and just so like, shoves it in his mouth. The man's a dog to him. Just treat him like absolute shit. Uh, I was fucking, I had but a wee chuckle watching that bit. Like. I did like the, the reaction on the, the shopkeeper's face when he's like, like, you could keep the whiskey. And he's like, oh, that's some <laughs> consolation. <laughs> after being fucking robbed. I mean, what else you going to do, yeah? Because that's it. You may as well just sit and fucking drown your sorrows after getting $200 like back in the fucking day during the fucking war. Because what was it? Um, like a fat stack of cash. Aye, because um, Angel Eyes was getting 500. Yes. For, for killing, finding, finding the, the new name for Jackson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's it. probably a good time we could segue across to uh, old Angel Eyes. Because his introduction yeah. just sets him up perfectly as this bad motherfucker where he did go finds got the information like he's no longer Jackson he's Carson now and because was that was it when he found was that Maria and he was slapping the information out of her if I finds Maria later on obviously ah it's another guy to begin with yeah that he kills the whole family actually that opening scene because they sit down and start eating stew or a bowl. And it's a tense scene because this guy's been sent here to kill him. And the other guy's trying to play play him for a fool. Yeah. And by the end of it, when he's leaving and he's fucking shot him, shot his kids. The other kids and he was like just running in because he was yeah. outside on the mule. Yeah, and the mum passes it. Exactly. Because she just fucking seen her family tore apart in front of her. But it made me think back to Inglorious Bastards. You, you've got that cheeky smile on your face. Have I struck a, a chord? Uh, what's it? Uh, 
introduction of Android reminds me of Inglorious. It does, eh? Yeah. It's just... It's uh, obviously Hans Lander coming in. Aye. Looking for the... The Jewish. Yeah. Aye. And it was, it's just... Because it does look like he just showed up at a farm, but... You could just tell, just the way it's set out, they're sat at a table having a meal. Yeah. The thing is, like, like Lee Van Cleef, I've never actually fully looked up everything about him on IMDb, but he always looks... The same? Like, he's... Nah, like he always <laughs> kind of looks like he's got, like, some sort of, like, like Asian... He does kind of have, like... With like, the eyes and all yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that's it. I've not seen him in all, other than Escape these westerns and Escape from New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a fucking great actor. Like he's, you can tell he's so suited well in like westerns. Yeah. He just he could play an evil bastard. The fact that he does that, and right before he kills his contact or well, his contract, where he's like, "I'll double it. I'll give you was it a thousand? And then he goes, "Well, a job's a job." Shoots the boy, leaves, and then when he goes back to his fucking first contact, the guy that was wanting to know about the, yeah. The fucking the name, who who's Jackson now? And he's like, well, it's Carson, but it's like a boy on his deathbed, needed to know the name, but he got told too much information. He got told about this money, yeah. And it's like the old man didn't know about the money, so and uh, I just like how he finishes the conversation where he says, but he did pay me a fucking thousand coins to kill you, and the man's laughing off, going, oh, that's a good joke, and you just see him grabbing his pillow. And to be honest, I thought he was just going to suffocate the boy because yeah. that boy was not in no fit shape. Like, I thought just one hand over his face, a little struggle and it'd be over, but no. Just sticks the fucking pistol and fires yeah. two, three shots ah, three or four, eh? into his face. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. And it was obviously a shit pillow because there's no like, silent aye all the fucking burn marks on the pillow it's like it, it was true like this cunt is the bad and, and I like how his um, progression where he kind of goes from like he's not he's the one that's got the least amount of screen time yeah because he, he disappears next time you see him he's fucking uh, like the union sergeant yeah he also picks up on um, Tuco when he's hanging him when they're playing the the game the second time. Yeah, he's hanging and he's talking. Oh, because he's, he's, he's leaving talk, in he's the carriage. To, yeah, he's, he's talking, talking to a woman. Talking, no, but he's talking to the guy that's got no legs, and that and he starts fucking shuffling air. Yes, and that, and he's also trying to go down for information, and he's chucking him like a fucking quarter or something every time. Aye. And he's talking about saying that, um, that like Tuchel's obviously got somebody like with eyes on him, mm-hmm. but he obviously can't picture it. Yeah. And then obviously it happened and he kind of. Ah, he's always about him having like a guardian angel. Yeah. A blonde angel. And it's like, God, he's with Isn't he that blonde? I know. But, and I did like to like that character of like the soldier with no legs. Where he just he flips him a coin and he runs in the bar and it's like, Hey barkeep, hand me down a whiskey <laughs> <laughs> It just went as a hand me down a whiskey <laughs> It's like oh <laughs> But you were saying also like he comes back into it later on when he's like the like, like Federal Sergeant and that. Yeah. And he's still kinda on the hunt for Carson. He's he's heard about yeah. this fabled gold 
So and his ears kind of prop up when they're doing like the roll call. Yeah, and it is because it's like, obviously it's fucking Tuchel trying cool. to act as Carson. As he comes across it because he finds Carson. Yeah, in the dead, um, or the carriage. Aye. When, they're in, when they're in the desert. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's just like, fuck it, I would just assume his identity, update the eye patch. And they talk about those distinctive characteristics, like he's got an eye patch and he's changed his identity. And when they see him, he knows it's fucking too cool, but he plays along. And it's the fact that he's ransacked him, he's got that wee, sh- that wee clamshell, which was like his bocky tin. Uh. <laughs> and it was that scene where he's obviously. Um, Greasing up Tuco, whereas like here, have some food, and I love Tuco had that suspicion where he's like, "Do you poison my food?" And he wouldn't touch it until Angel eyes leaned across, grabbed a spoonful of fucking veg, and had a munch, and he's like, "Ah, you're good, I like you," and he starts fucking eating all the fucking veg, and he's so happy. But when he offers him the tobacco, and it's got Bill Carson in the in the fucking clam, and just crushes it on his hand, as vicious as that bastard. Fuck like him and his big bulldozer a pal. Yeah. His big henchman. And the escalation with him, sure it's no uh, angel eyes at this point, but when they're on that fucking train, and was it uh, Tuco want to go for a piss? Aye. At the moment, I feel sorry for the stuntman in that shot. That tumble off of the train down the hill looked painful because they looked like they were handcuffed. They legitimately handcuffed each other as they fucking threw each other off the train. And what worse was the fucking breaking the cuffs. Oh, yeah. That was, that was, like, surprisingly nasty. Like, surprisingly graphic. Where the fucking... Sure, he's knocked the boy out. And it's the thought of, right, put down the chain. And part of me was thinking, is this where, like, the breaking that, like, this idea has come from? Because you've seen that in films before. Yeah. Where... What was the film? I think if it's Fugitive, where he's handcuffed to someone. Or... Nah, it's comedies. It's happened in films before where cunts are handcuffed together and they have to find a way to break the cuffs and they've put on a train track. I'm not sure if it's just been referenced in fucking Looney Tune cartoons or... But it's just a thought, right? And it's the thought of seeing the steam train coming down and thinking, fuck, this better work. And it's a, the the fucking big, the big henchman lying there, knocked out with his... Or dead... At this point, because he's got on his skull fucking rocks, uh, didn't he? Just lying there with a wrist on, and you're thinking, "Oh fuck! I hope I hope it fucking breaks the chain and not fucking drags both of them fucking along." Uh, I was um, I was fully expecting the train to stop just before it hit the <laughs> just, hit the chain, just because it would, you know, like for comedic value yeah. and just Tuchel's luck. Yeah, because once he tries to do, first he tries to like shoot it. Eh? Yeah, and the gun doesn't work. It jams. Yeah. So he tries to use the heel of the butt of the pistol and it doesn't work either. Yeah. But it's just when it breaks the chain and then it just fucking carries the body. And you're like, oh God! Because the first car- couple of carriages go for it fine, but something catches. And it just fucking takes the body away. And I'm like, <coughs> it's just something that was too real for me. It's just like, oh, nah. At least it wasn't like a big fucking bag of blood blow up, but it was just like a dummy being carried away. Yeah. But still, it was just like, oh! Fucking nasty ending. Um, and of course, let's see. I mean, you've got Blondie. Yeah. His introduction was pretty good, where you had a few characters trying to pull in Tuco for his bounty, and then fucking Blondie shows up. 
and it's just a voice off camera. Yeah, you know right away who it is. Yep, that that fucking gravelly voice, and then he just steps into shot, and the music plays. Is he no fucking tune on like a matchstick, or he's lighting a fag? Oh, uh, his wee, his wee cigar. But I do love, like, whenever he goes to rescue Tuchel for a hanging, his wee signature move is shoot the hats off all cunts' heads. Aye. And it's just that shot where, like, they're stunned the hats go, boom, 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 and where it's like... Surely it's, like, that effect's probably, I'm not, I've never ever looked into it, but surely it's, like, maybe it's been, like, a fishing hook. Yeah, some, a bit of fishing wire. And it. Aye, exactly. It exactly, they wouldn't... Have, Fire rounds at folks' heads, but ah, it was definitely like a wee and wire I mean, gag. I mean, the thing is, really, like, I mean, it's a film, and it's not, you're not supposed to take it too seriously. But the like the the realisticness of it, like that, I didn't think a hat would proper ping off. Ah, it, it looks like as if you're watching a spoof of a western, like Blazing Saddles. Yeah, and I'd actually should watch Blazing Saddles again because I wonder how much references they pulled from yeah. the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Because I could just imagine them shooting hats off folks' heads. Mm. Um, I did like the his journey through the desert. Aye, when um, Tuchel gets upper hand on him. Exactly. And he's fucking properly dragging him through the desert. Mm. And for a film in its 60s, that, that makeup they put on Eastwood looked really effective. Like He yeah. did look sunburnt, blistered. He looked... Like a fucking ghoul out of Fallout. He looked like yeah. just a walking dead. You were just expecting him to fucking <laughs> die any moment. And I had to hear a wee laugh at fucking Tuco when he was like washing his feet. Ah, because that's like you've, like, you had, um, Blondie had his own water canister and he's like, oh no, no, no. Shoots fuck out it. But it's just to torture him by washing his feet with the water in, in the wee basin. Yeah. And does he know fucking tip the basin over before? Aye. Like, cause Blondie was fucking fully about to fucking drink the dirty water that Tuchel's just washed his feet with because he's yeah fucking dehydrated. The boy's dying, and he just fucking tips it over and laughs in his face. Hmm. It's like, oh, that's that's just plain fucking dirty. But then like, you can tell though that like <clears throat> Tuchel wouldn't let like, anything seriously happen to Blondie and that. Cause like, look at when like Blondie properly. Like passes out, and he's um, like starts like crying and all that. Mm-hmm. But then I think he's using, cause he wheels him into that, um, camp. Yes. Pretending to be um, Carson. Yes. Aye. Right, well, and that's it. That's the fucking give, isn't it? Because they find Carson. He finds the location of the cemetery. Finds out it is a cemetery on Sad Hill. And just when he's running away to get water, he comes running back, and you just see Blondie right beside the carriage. <laughs> and Tuchel was like, looking like he was a way to kick away a vulture. He's like, no, he's mine, sure. <laughs> and he's already dead. And fucking Blondie is laughing, saying he knows the name. And you're like, oh, fuck. Well, um, what I do like about the, when you get like with Blondie and that is you get that wee, that wee bit of music whenever him and Tuco are together mm-hmm. something. But it's, uh, it's, I thought it's part of the like music itself but it's like it's like it kind of like runs off yeah and you get it like when they're going up against um, Angel Eyes and he's oh, like that it, abandoned uh, street yes uh, he's got his five pals with him yeah 
Yeah, and that was a great team up, like because obviously you had, um, it was just Blondie and Angel Eyes. They agreed they had a pact. And they're right. We know where the cemetery is. If we go together. I'll not shoot you, but we could split the money fifty fifty. And it was just when Tuco kind of shows up and gets Blondie back on his side. Mm. It was a great moment where they were taking out the five. Yeah, and I mean as well as we were talking about, you got that extra diverse element of the Civil War and the cannonball was just hitting. The exactly, street. and I loved how where you had them. It looked like it was about to be a standoff. Cannonball hits and creates just this fog, like just this the dust's in the air and it's a great cover for them because do they not fucking drop or do they they shoot the other guys and drop aye, aye. and there's there, of course a fucking lot happens in this film this film runs for three hours yeah. but it, I only found one moment where I thought like Jesus Christ let's just get to the cemetery already Yeah. and it is when they come across the um, the confederacy yeah with the bridge aye the blue jackets and they just to say, um, rather than being shot, it's like, we want to volunteer. And it's just the alcoholic captain. Yeah. Who's just like, he's tired of it all. He fucking hates this bridge. If he had a chance, he'd blow it up himself. <sighs> but I do like how they think, well, if we blow up the bridge, the fucking north and the south are just going to move on and fight somewhere else. And then that leaves us to get to the cemetery. Because that's it. What's between us and the cemetery? A the fucking bridge. war. Like, this fucking war between these guys is like, fucking hell. Everything's in the road of us getting this fucking uh, gold. Uh, that was my only grievance, was that when you got that, like, what you've seen was going to be the standoff. Yeah. It then diverts into the wee, like, war sequence. I mean, I'm kind of glad it wasn't, like, it didn't, like, overstay its welcome. Yes, I, it was, like, 10, 15 minutes at most. Yeah. But then you knew that kind of served a purpose. Exactly. The whole deal with the bridge and it just reminded them of the like the atrocities of the the Civil War because you just said like Clint Eastwood had that line like what a waste of bodies and or what a waste of boys. Yeah. And it was a whole thing when like I was thinking blowing up a bridge as if it was like something in a video game like a couple of sticks of dynamite boom the whole thing falls down but seeing them properly go into the effort of stringing dynamite to like every support beam every yeah. column of that bridge and they're wading like waist deep in water <laughs> and I like how they pretend to be like medics running about with a trolley like a, a gurney <sighs> and they've got the sticks of dynamite on the middle and they run 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 stop pretend to pick up a body everyone passes put the body back down grab it run 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 <laughs> down to the fucking base of the bridge but it was the the moment where it fucking blows up where they run and jump, and the fucking explosion is huge. Aye. And it's like one point, there's like a rock fucking bounces off Tuco. <laughs> it's like it hits the ground and it just bounces, hits him off the head. And I like how it kind of cuts to. It must be almost the next day. Like they must just. Because it, it just shows you, like, they just stay in the pit. Because it kind of fades, and all you hear is fucking Tuco snoring. Yeah. Like I kind of. Because he jumped head first into the ditch. And Blondie kind of and, jumps in. And then again, just like, that's when he wakes up and Tuco's like, kind of like, arched over. Yeah. And he just kicks Tuco. Fucking arse in the air. And that's it. When they wake up, they kind of realise the war's moved on without them. Like, the North, it's just, just a fucking blown out bridge. They're on the right side of it now. 
and Nick Hunt's there. Yeah. But I mean, kind of the only thing you, you could talk about now is really the the ending. Like, I do like how they trusted each other to kind of share the information where he told him where the cemetery was and Blondie tells him the name of the grave. Yeah, and I mean, the first thing I noticed about the cemetery was that um, uh, Ennio Morricone score for uh, The Exorcist of Gold. Yes. And it always Metallica? reminds me of Metallica because that's what I they always that. play at the very start. Yes, the S&M album, is it? Yeah, the Played it at the start. Like they played the start at every live show they do. Right. Because they done it when we were at uh, Glasgow and uh, Nedworth. Yeah. And that's it. Because I was he- listening to it and was like, this sounds familiar. And I was thinking, was like, no, this they must use this actual fucking song for their concert. And there obviously is great time to talk about the soundtrack, actually. Uh, Ennio Morricone. The moments where they are crossing a bridge at the beginning... Where there was like hundreds of them going across the bridge, and it was like, just this, and I was like, it's Hateful Eight. They're like, there's just wee bits where he's used, like, which were reused in Hateful Eight. And of course, sure, it's the same composer, so why not just use like li- like little samples almost, isn't it? Yeah. And it was, or I'm, again, maybe I'm thinking of the thing, because again, Morricone doing the thing, uh, and it's just like, I could hear all these movies, and there's, Sampling is like there's music, like from other points where it's like I've heard that in a song somewhere, and again it's just probably people all referencing mm. this fucking epic western. And I mean, like obviously, Blondie tells um, Tuco the name of the what the grave they're looking for. Aye, and I'm I'm not gonna lie, but like, I'm kind of glad I didn't get motion sickness. Like watching Tuco like running around the cemetery to try to find <laughs> the cameraman couldn't keep up with him, could he? No. Aye, and I was like, I was when I was watching, I said to him, I was like, where do you fucking start? Yeah. Like, do you just? And that was it. He was just running laps like a madman, and you saw the scale of the cemetery. It's not like fifty people. It looks like hundreds. Yeah. It just, it was a great set. Like it was just this big circular cemetery with that that rocky middle yeah but just running and then he eventually finds the name was Arch Stanton yeah and I do love like Margaret made the comments like I laugh it was just a fucking body that they dug up and it wasn't yeah and you could tell because he's digging and then the grave right beside him just says unknown and you think it's probably in the grave next to it and right enough like after the fucking standoff I was like, there is no name on the grave. That's why I didn't write one on this rock. It's like, oh, Blondie, you smooth bastards. I just <laughs> fucking Tuco still raising when he digs up the first grave. Yeah, and it freaks out when they open. And it looks like the fucking cunt that was buried looked like he was buried alive. It looked like he was all contorted like he was screaming. It's like, Jesus. Well, that's some way to fucking be, <laughs> to find the skeleton. Because at that point you had all three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Aye, because that's it, they threw the shovel down and then fucking Angel Eye shows up and throws a second shovel in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it is. Also, you get to the final showdown with the standoff. Aye. And I mean, it's, like, that's one of the good things about light as well, like the like cinematography and the way it was filmed out, like the total quick cuts between all the way they build and, the tension. Yeah, and like the music's getting louder and fucking heavier and Aye, faster. It's all, building up and I love it because it's not quick 
it is like a slow build up because it's got the eyes, the faces, the hands. They're all going for for the pistols. They're pacing. They're the all. Thing the one thing I was always noticing was I was noticing uh, Angel Eyes' like fingers as they've got like running up his like like bullet belt. Yes, I was running his, his thumb across the the fucking tops of the bullets. Yeah. And it was just like he was in a hurry, but they like they kind of knew, but. It's a standoff, a, a Mexican standoff. Like you could only shoot one of them, and they were just thinking, who, who, "Who's it gonna be?" And let's see, trying to remember it because was it both of them shooting at Angel Eyes? I feel like Tuco's Tuco's gun wasn't loaded. Yes, that was it. That was <laughs> it. That was like the, the fucking give, yeah. and it was just fucking Blondie's shot, like where he catches. Angel eyes, was it twice, and then he goes over, shoots him again, and he just rolls up to the open grave, and then he shoots the hat, shoots the hat in, shoots the gun in, and it's like, oh. that's so stylized, eh? Exactly, it's just like, oh, it's cool as fuck. And like you're saying, like obviously it's, it's it's revolutionary, you know, it's fucking, it's forever been fucking imitated and all that. Yeah, but I mean. I mean, for for a western, like even for a, like the the pace, it's a wee bit slow, like kind of in the middle, like when you see um bringing a uh, blonde into the like the camp and stuff like that. Yeah, aye. The desert bit was alright. I didn't mind that as much. And like, like, I was, like I was saying, like, I think the only really, but I think maybe if it'd been trimmed by maybe twenty five minutes, mm-hmm. maybe keep it maybe like two and a half hours. Yeah. And all that is that you just think after the standoff it's over, but there's still like a good five, five minutes there where they go, they get the gold. They, 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 he reveals where the gold's hidden. They dig it up, and like he, and I, like Tuko's fucking struggling to lift him. Ah, it's big old bags of coins, and it's just where he fucking gets his shovel and starts fucking bursting the bag open. And it's like coins, coins, and he's so fucking happy, and there's fucking Blondie and he just goes to leave him to hang like just this cruel fate where it's like he knows he's like oh, I'm not going to leave you in the lurch but I'm going to get away for you get a good head start and he just manages to fucking shoot the rope again yeah ah, and it does there's no just leave him fucking cursing him like you son of a bitch and it just kind of cuts to the the end I could like did he even split the money 50-50 or did he... Ah, he got the bags on his horses because he falls, he lands head first in the broken bag, the burst bag ah, of money. Yeah, ah. You just see his face land on the coins. And then it comes up with ugly. Yes. Ah, yeah, it does. And it's just got fucking uh, Lee Van Cleef dead in a ditch. It's like the bad. And it was, it, did, it ended on the good. Yeah. Where they're just fucking riding off to the sunset with four bags of, well, I guess 100,000 coins. Yeah. But it was I really fucking dug this film. Uh, I would be interested to see what special feat like if it has like a definitive release. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested to like see like seek it out, see mm-hmm. if it does. Because I know you get like you've got the generic like like the Man with No Name trilogy. Yep, the box I, sets. And I mean you could you could probably ask like Stuart McPherson because like he's like forever, oh, the, forever. the resident uh, Scotland's resident Clint Eastwood expert yeah totally I know when I was reading the 
Shout out trivia. to Dirty Stew. When I was reading the trivia, there's a documentary based on them building the um, burial site. Aye. Yeah. Hmm. Now, I did see something. There's like a a guy, um, it's like a friend of a friend that has his own business uh, cutting things out of steel in relation to films that he done, like the logo to the thing cut out of steel and they put a post up a few months ago that they were at the site of the good, the bad and the ugly, I think. Um, uh-huh. The burial site and they had, he obviously cuts of it in shape, the reference to film and someone was in there and posted a picture of, of like the thing he made at this the filming location for the good, the bad uh-huh. and the ugly. It looked pretty cool. Useless bit of trivia there. Um, but man, I don't need to ask you who who stole the film for you. Nah. I think it's an obvious one, nah, isn't it? It's obviously fucking Tuchel. Eh? Tuchel was a fucking brilliant character and the actor as well just nailed it. Because he's kind of like, like your comedy relief sort of thing. Exactly. You just watch this assuming it's Clint Eastwood's film. Because he's the boy in the posters and on IMDb the day I saw like the Italian poster where I had the three of them and it's as the title was like it's one of those posters that I was like man I'd probably hang that in my living room my wife might not dig it but that's a nice fucking looking poster yeah does it have like the old like text yeah it's like the three of them and it looks like it's hand drawn and it's got uh, in Italian it's like ill this ill that ill the and it's just like man that's a nice poster mm. What do you think about rewatchability? How often could you see yourself revisiting this one? Um, I'd probably watch it again if the chance came up. Like. Yeah, and as I say this all the time, but if I saw this on Sky and it already started, ah. I would probably fire into it. the easy background material. It's not. It's not a bloody film. It, it's it's not a messy, gory film. Like I could watch this in front of my kids and not yeah. fear that they're seeing something horrible. And it's always good to kind of see, like, testing my kids with films to see where, like, Cameron, Cameron's got a funny, funny gauge for horror than now. Alright. I tried to show him Tremors. Alright. Couldn't get into it. Like, the opening scenes where it's the, I think, like, your second victim where it's at night and he's running and he's getting pulled into the sand and all you hear is his bones being crunched. You couldn't actually see the Tremors. That spooked him. Alright. Ah, so that you didn't see it, you just heard a man being sucked into the ground. See, I, still, screaming. I still fucking remember first coming across him. My mum and dad were watching the Cape Fear remake. Yeah. And it was the scene where Bob De Niro like brutally assaults the like the parley Nick Nolte. Oh, right. And I mean, like, like bites her face like that. Fucking yeah. terrified me as a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a horror film. Aye. Fucking a, a, a horrifying moment, but yeah. Uh, and I had to laugh because, obviously, he's Godzilla daft. Took him to see Godzilla, King of the Monsters, in his fucking element. And two days earlier, showed him uh, Walls and Gromit, Curse the Were-Rabbit. You can't even watch it because it's too scary. <laughs> he's like, no, nah, Dad, the, the, the Were-Rabbit's too much. It's, like, it's funny, but also scary. Like, I don't like Were-Rabbits. <laughs> it's like, you're going, you're actually screaming and cheering for King Godira fighting Godzilla in cinemas. like, that that fucking image alone will scare your gran, yet you, you can't stomach <laughs> Wallace and Gromit. Fucking kids, man. Um, obviously, there was a franchise. 
uh, Fistful of Dollars followed was there were a year after year. Like Fistful of Dollars was like sixty four, yeah. few dollars more sixty five, and then of course this was in sixty six. Yeah. Do you know where? Obviously, we said it's number nine in IMDb's top two fifty. You want to know what what sandwiched in between? Um, Do you think you know? Pulp Fiction. Yep. Above one of them. Is that above Pulp, or below it? Pulp Fiction's above it at number eight. Number ten. An equally stylish film. And one that we haven't actually covered. Fight Club. Ah. So, um, that is the majority of my notes. So, I have to say, Mike... I'm I'm actually just looking at my one star review and realizing it is still fucking Chinatown. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Uh, so I, whilst you do the BBT, I will look up a one star review. Alright. Um so <clears throat> what do you think um the budget that Sergio Leone got for making this? Uh, I think I saw it earlier. It was like one point five? One point two. I mean that's that? peanuts nowadays. Yes, ah, that's like a tight budget for an indie film nowadays. And I mean, it's when you watch it when when I watched it on Netflix and that, it's classed as like a an Italian film because it? it was like filmed in like Italy and Spain mm-hmm. and stuff Italian like that. director. Um, I could only find the domestic box office. It was near records for worldwide. Aye, fair enough. Mess box office return was twenty five point one million. Yeah, Jesus, so, I mean, back in the day as yeah, well. Some serious bank. Yep. Uh, for trivia, um, in the scene where uh, Eli Wallet robs the gun store, everything that he'd done was unscripted. Aye. He was completely clueless on guns, and Sergio Leone just told him a. Hey, whatever so him taking bits for and all he did not have a clue and the reaction for the shop owner was like genuine and same with the bit where he put um, the closing sign in his mouth aye fucking he hell was, um, that was all legit I mean that scene alone is fucking gold like that's fucking five stars like five out of five like, just a genius wee moment just the way he fucking acted like it's crazy just to think, just made up. It, ah, just fucking love this film even more now. Um, the film remains the highest rated on IMDb, and it didn't receive any Oscar nominations. No, didn't it receive a single one. That's weird. You think maybe back now, like, and I mean back in the days, like westerns and that were probably high. Mm-hmm. Like high profile for like when you, you think, look at like your John Wayne ones and stuff for like the fifties, sixties and stuff. Well, that's it. It's sort of like maybe our equivalent of fucking superhero films. Yeah. Now you're guaranteed to get three or four, maybe five, six a year. Yeah. So it got to a point where maybe you're just like ah, they're they've seen enough. Uh, even though Clint Eastwood got top villain for the film, Eli Wallach had the most screen time out of the three of them. Makes sense. Much, yeah. And it is. You can see why it's to- you never totally got, his um, film. Because you never got um, Clint Eastwood to about maybe 20 minutes into the film. Yeah. 
Exactly. Um, and this this one was my fucking favourite. Uh, filming had a half day delayed when Clint Eastwood would refuse to turn up until Leone guaranteed him his $250,000 um, payoff ah. and, and a new Ferrari. What? <laughs> Fucking Eastwood was a diva back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Like... It's a third film. In, oh, I guess that's it. Yeah. Third film in a trilogy. Um, so he's fucking Hollywood one, at this time. There was another one that I read early on in the film, and I tried to fucking spot it in the film, and I couldn't. At the end, where um, Tuchel's standing on the cross, mm-hmm. you can see a car in the distance. Aye. Yeah. But ah, ah, fucking, ah, I was Hawkeye on that, and I yeah. could, not, could not fucking see it. Aye. It just makes me think back to that uh, movie mistake with Lord of the Rings, where it's the same thing, where it's a big, far out shot of the Shire, and you just see like dust, and it's just it's like a, just a Land Rover driving off in the distance, <laughs> in the fucking Shire. So, uh, Amazon one star reviews, the good, the bad, and the ugly has three hundred forty reviews all together, and it has eight one star reviews. Huh. Why are we talking about one-star reviews? This is just a wee plug for ourselves. Go to filmsandswearing.com, click on the Amazon link, and do your shopping. Uh, We at Films and Swearing get a small commission from that shop if you visit filmsandswearing.com first. So, if you'd like to support the show, do your shopping via Amazon, but come to filmsandswearing.com first. So, not to make this a complete advert, we'll try and find silly one-star reviews. Now, this has only got eight, so... First one, damaged disc. Second one, invalid format. Third one, poor remaster. Uh, Fourth one, wrong area code. Fifth one, absolutely disgusted. I bought this for my mum for her birthday. It was sealed as brand new, but the case was empty. Uh. What? Um, Let's see. Okay, here's one. Uh... Ah, oh, this one's actually about the film. Ruined. Why did they add scenes from the cutting room floor? They were cut for a reason. They were unnecessary. Tuchel picking up his friends before going to get Blondie dubbed over with uh, 70-year-old accents. No need. It was much better when he just appeared at the hotel with them to use them as bait. We don't need to know where they came from. They would be dead in seconds. And then Angel Eyes is going to be looking at the old ruins, uh, beating a guy... Looking for Blondie, pointless and badly re-recorded. Best film ever. Spoiled, spoiled, spoiled. Why? So that's obviously... This person obviously saw a version of it back in the day. He was happy with that. And the fact that they went back, reinstated those scenes, has spoiled it for the You know what it's just like? It's like the fucking George Lucas effect on the the How dare you put me tentacles in the Sarlacc pit? Yeah, or or the fact that at the end of Return of the Jedi, you've got fucking Hayden Christensen. Oh, as the, the the Force Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the most offensive thing about Star Wars is that fucking dance sequence where they've got the wee alien, like they're singing in, is it the cantina? And uh, they've just had just added a sequence of a wee fucking alien with yeah. long with. I'm just glad you never said it was Salacious Crumb. No, no. More Crumb. Episode 9. Hashtag yeah. More Crumb. Um... <laughs> As well as I, as I was on like IMDb and all that, um, like it got a meta score of ninety, but it's only got seven critical reviews. 
it's probably just because it's so fucking old. Yeah. Like it's they're probably reviewing Blu-rays yeah. or like prominent re-releases. And I mean, like fucking Eli Wallach was somebody who died when he was ninety-eight. Aye, like I five years ago. Some of his last roles, he was in the 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 Wall Street sequel that Money Never Sleeps. Ah, he was American as well. He was born in America. So, uh, next time on Films of Swear Movie Podcast, we will be covering the final, the last stop in our IMDb season. Stopping at number one with... I can't even tell you who the director is. Frank Darabont. There you go. Frank Darabont's The Shawshank Redemption, based on, funny enough, based on a short story by Stephen King, comes this long-ass fucking prison saga. So... We've got that to look forward to next week. And I mean, surely we'll need to look into does it merit the top spot in the, fair, in the top 250 list? Exactly, does it deserve to because be? Because it's quite... I wouldn't say the film's divisive. Mm-hmm. Like the, film, the film is pretty good, but it being number one is quite divisive, like divisive, I think. Yes, aye, that's it. It's a fucking, like... It has to be some fucking film if it's number one in the chart. And um, we've all seen it, I, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it a few times. It's always like it's a film I always find Michelle watching. Like if it's on like I, t- I mean, it's on ITV four, fucking two, three, religiously. So there's like an additional hour of adverts added to the film. Then yeah, I mean, luckily I have got it on <laughs> disc to watch it. I, I was I was daft enough to watch Godfather for for the first time on Channel Five. So you had adverts, and halfway through the film, they stopped to show you the news. Oh, I used to hate when they done that. <laughs> Hang on, like, what happens if you record it on TiVo? Because you get, it's like, the 9 till 10 slot, <clears throat> and then the news, and then the 5 past 10 till whenever slot. Yeah, and that's Do you it. have to it, record both slots? Sometimes, sometimes they just fucking give you half a film. I recorded um, Passenger 57 on TCM. A couple of weeks ago, and I went to go watch it last week. It was on holiday, mm-hmm. and it ended up being fucking old brother where art now. Yeah, but it wasn't also because it was supposed to be passenger for seven. The runtime was only limited to ninety minutes. Yeah, so I knew I wasn't going to get the whole film because if I did, I probably would have just sat and watched it because it's still a Coen's brother film that I've not seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I also I'd like to encourage you all to follow us on social media. At FAS Podcast, work for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I have pulled up the Twitter poll that we published an hour ago, and so far, the 1980s is leading the poll. How many votes have we got? We've got four so far, and you have 75% of the votes. So far, three, one. Three to one. So obviously, this is going to run for the next five days. I have, um, I think, <clears throat> 700 followers. Yeah, right, 741 followers. I am tempted to tag them all. <laughs> like, <laughs> you motherfuckers, if you're real and not just a bunch of fucking robots, vote on our poll. Retweet our poll. Yeah. So, I want. I, I would like to get like at least 50 people voting on this. Yeah. It's a big ask, but fuck it. I'm going to spam some cunts this weekend. What was that I fucking done the poll? What was that I done the poll for? And I got like over 50 votes. Oh man, it was. I think it was our 80s. Season or no, the Halloween films. Ah, yeah. Our Halloween season, we've done the same thing. Chose four films from a or, decade. Oh, wait a minute. Was, no, was it me asking whether 
it was aimed, it was Twitter deciding whether I was allowed to see like the trailers before for the Halloween release. going yeah. in blind or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that caught Fox imagination. Um, I, I had a Twitter poll that went mental once when I was trying to decide about what silent film to watch, and it caught the attention of just like the silent film Twitter group, and it just it exploded about this fucking. It was like two hundred votes on a Buster Keaton film. I was like, holy fuck. It's yeah. just strange. Occasionally, you just catch a nerve and it just fucking blows up. So, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, we've shot off our hats. It is, it's done. It's, we've had our standoff. We've talked about it all. Ladies and gentlemen, fuck off and tune in next week. <laughs>